Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. Hello, Liz Jones. How are you today? <laughs> I wondered if you were going to mention no, my name. No, every week now I'm doing the full name, Liz Jones, so people know who you are. Well, I have been reading a fantastic new book, and this is by Lisa Tadeo, who's American. And do you remember in 2019, this is before the podcast, BP? BP? God, I can't remember that She wrote back. a book called Three Women. And that went to the top of the bestseller charts in New York and it went to the top of the bestseller charts here. And every person I met was reading it. And it was three women talking about their sex life. Very graphic. Right, Mum, you're not reading that. You're not reading that, Mum. But this is a novel and it's called Animal and it's a thriller. Um, I like a thriller. And both books really are about sex and desire. And she also mentions a couple are in a thruple. So a thruple is when there's three people in the relationship. Yeah, I've watched Stacey Dooley. I'm all up on thruples. You know what thruples are? Yes, Stacey Dooley did a sleeps at over with one. And they're all about pleasing men. And so she's found in her first book and in the, and in, and in the second book that women mainly want to please men during sex. They don't particularly want to please themselves. Whatever we do is to please the man. And that's still the case, even in 20-whatever it is. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe that. I think you get to a certain age and you think Sodom. I think, it, I I think women do become more forceful about what they want as they I get do, older, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think you just get to the point, why watch paint dry? Diagrams, yeah. pie charts. Crack on, do it properly or go home. But she sort of touched a chord with me, really, Lisa, because she's quite similar to me. Her humour's quite dark. And there's an interview with her in the papers today. And she's, she says, I'm never going to be happy. I'm scared all the time. I seldom laugh. I have a hard time being present in any moment due to fear and anxiety. And that's exactly how I am. That could that it could be you that's written that. I absolutely. never laugh, apart from when I'm watching Friends. Or you chuck ice water over me in the snow. Yeah, that's You found funny. that really funny. I have a hard time being present in the moment because I'm always worrying yeah, about tomorrow. Yeah. And she's found, she got married, she met her husband when she was on the road doing the research for three women, which is interviewing three different women. And she's found that her husband has now been infected by her anxiety and she's got a child as well. And you can infect other people with your anxiety. It's quite catching. No, it is, because if you're around someone that's very anxious... You you start to be quite stressed as well because you're quite stressed about their response to things. So I can completely relate to that. But I, you know, she is an incredible writer. She really is, and it's out later this month. But when she wrote Three Women, which is non-fiction, that made her financially secure. I'm always very, um, not jealous is the word, but I'm always in awe of people who have this success and I know you shouldn't be jealous of other people's success but it always makes me feel such a failure oh you're hardly a failure 
I mean, well, I am a failure. Hardly. I mean, you know, you're 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 a leading female journalist in a very very hard environment. You've you've done amazing. Yeah, but my AA, my direct debit for my AA insurance bounced yesterday. But that doesn't reflect your talent. And I think the trouble with Twitter and all these other things, you see all these other people bigging themselves up and talking about their amazing success, and you just think, God, why do I bother? You know. Yeah, it can be hard. I mean, I look at my friends' Facebooks and they're all married with lovely husbands and children on lovely holidays. And I, I mean, I'm not jealous in a nasty way at all. I'm very pleased for them. I'm, I, I'm thrilled that they've got lovely lives and they probably aren't as lovely as it looks on social media, to be fair. But yeah, you do. You do look at them and think, well, where did I go wrong? You know, where, where's my lovely life? Yeah. You do. Yeah, it's, it's quite sad. But I used to work with Zoe Heller and um, I used to edit her column. And in those were the days before the internet and email and everything. So she had to go to her local Kinko's in America and get them to fax it to me. And then I had to type it into the system. That's no. how slow it all was. No. Yeah, I actually no. had to type her column in. And then she wrote um, Notes on a Scandal. It was a huge success and made into film. And then she built a house in the Caribbean. And you just think, why does that not happen for me? But it just shows, doesn't it? I don't it? particularly want a house in the Caribbean. Oh, I, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't reject it. But it just shows that your fortunes can turn. Things can change really dramatically with one thing, can't they? One book. Or, I mean, for someone like you, not so much for someone like me, you know, but for someone that's, that's in a high-profile situation, your fortune can change very, very quickly. Yeah. So we're just waiting for that for you. And your book's out on the on um, July, isn't it? So fourteenth of July. Fourteenth of July. So that's going to be snatched up as a screenplay as well. And then we're going to be rich, Jones. We're going to be rich. We hope. You wonder yeah. how long you can keep trying, though. This time next year, we'll be millionaires. That's what you always say. I know, and I'm I'm positive thinking. But I've also been watching. I was a bit late to it, actually. I've been watching Mayor of East Town with Kate Winslet. And it is, I wasn't a fan of Kate Winslet up until this. I thought she was too old for Titanic. She had too much makeup on. She didn't look right. I absolutely thought she was brilliant in this. I saw the first episode and I haven't got past the first episode. No, you, you need said to it get improves, past the first episode. Yeah, the, the plot is really good. Every The woman who plays her mother is amazing, her daughter. But she's got no vanity in it and she's quite frumpy and she's got a limp because she hurt her leg i always think it's quite brave when actresses are willing to play those parts where they they are not beautified and and they show their age and they show their flaws i I do actually really respect that and she you know she's talking about there i mean she has quite a lot of sex in it she has all these sort of men after her is that with the guy pierce i saw guy pierce in it Priscilla, Qu- Priscilla Queen of the Desert Man? No, he's Isn't not Isn't he in it? Oh, did I imagine him? I don't think he is, anyway. I could have sworn I saw him in the first episode. Oh, well, OK. So she made sure they showed her wobbly bits during sex. And I, I, kind, of just, I kind of just wish we'd had wobbly bits in sex earlier so I wasn't so shy about my body decades ago. Well, you get it all now, don't you? You get sex between older people now on TV. You get wobbly bits. You you, you kind of get everything now in a way that you didn't before. No. I mean, I think the only graphic sex scene 
with sort of naked bodies I saw was Don't Look Now with um, Julie Christie and Donald Sutherland. And that was quite awkward and fleshy and sweaty and, you know, we'd kneel on her hair and all. So that was the most yeah, realistic, realistic one. And everyone wondered whether they were actually doing it during that film. But I'd all, I've always been quite scared of showing my body to anyone or having them feel your... Like, if someone... Like, if I'm with a man, he goes to touch my arm, I immediately recoil away because I don't yeah. want him touching my arm because maybe he's going to feel it's a bit fleshy or yeah. wobbly. I felt um, like that a lot about my stomach. You know, someone puts their arm around my stomach and it's like, get off, don't touch my stomach. Don't do it, get off. It's, but it's quite a passion killer, isn't it, when you're sort of worried about how you're looking or how you're feeling. But I'd always thought that men... I don't know, that they be a bit more generous about your body but they're not really I went out for dinner the other night with, I'm not talking about this week's column but I went out for dinner with a, a, a sort of old flame and he immediately said oh I preferred it when you had your hair in a bob I mean oh, jellyfish that's a bit jellyfish mm, isn't it yeah. why make a negative comment I just, I just, they just don't function in the same way as we do. I mean, we would know that was a negative comment. I don't think men understand that that would be hurtful, or they just, I just don't think they but think. Why the same not way just say something do. nice? I don't, I don't know, but I just don't think men think the way we do. I just don't. But I also don't think they care about our wobbly bits either. Or they do. I don't know. I don't believe that. I think if they're getting their end away. They're selfish. They're focused on their pleasure. They're focused on what's going on with them. They're not interested in whether your boobs are bouncing or your stomach's doing the jitterbug. They're not. So I'm going to do the archive early in this podcast to, da, da, da. to ring the changes. We're ringing the changes. To shake things up a bit. And do it, Jones. Do this it. is really when I was attacked by a jellyfish. Not an actual jellyfish. A metaphorical jellyfish. Do we need to explain where jellyfish came from? Bridget Jones. Bridget Jones, I think yeah. everyone knows jellyfish, don't they? I would have thought so, yeah. But just in case. You're always telling me to explain things. So we're going back to 2012. And I was in the Hotel du Cap on the Cap d'Antibes, which is just along from Monaco. It already sounds exotic. I was in a junior suite overlooking the Mediterranean with its own terrace and a pink bathroom. Now, going back to Lisa today, of her not being able to be happy, I'm in the Hotel du Cap about to meet my boyfriend on the Cap d'Antibes. I'm in a junior suite overlooking the Med with its own terrace and a pink marble bathroom. I was really cross and unhappy. Why? Well, what? Because I was down by the sea and the pool in this modern bit, which is all just square, and I wanted to be in the main hotel, which is beautiful and got these beautiful windows and things. And I was in a modern bit. They put me in the annex. Now we all know from reading my columns, don't put me in an annex. I think you need some perspective here. I'd be happy with a, a B and B in Scarborough at the minute. I mean, I think you need some perspective. But when you're going to the Hotel du Cap, you don't want to be in an annex. But you're in the Hotel du Cap. Does it matter where you are? There's, like, room service. But this is what I'm saying. I can't be happy anywhere. I will still find a way to make myself unhappy and get room envy. Yeah. I often get room envy. I think in that case, I might as well go for you, because if you're going to be miserable anyway, then I'll go and, and do your happiness for you. So I arrived at the, at the hotel. I unpacked which is a bit of a ritual for me because I have to get all my makeup brushes and makeup 
Tom Ford pencils on a clean towel. It's like I'm about to perform open heart surgery. I've seen this. People who don't unpack straight away make me very stressed. People who put luggage on a bed make me very stressed. Oh, for the love of God, don't put put it on the bed. bed. Oh, no. I've performed a huge leap of faith by coming here on a weekday to such a magical place. Across the scented gardens is the cabine where Brad and Angelina stay during the Cannes Film Festival. I'd come for a drink then. I'd sat in the lobby, gazing at the glass elevator, slap bang in the centre, perfect for star spotting. But now I'm here as a guest. Our room is 1,700 euros a night. Oh my God. That's a and that's fiesta. without breakfast and dinner. Good God. And it's an annex. Good God. Good God. Can you imagine if you was in the hotel? I discovered from the maitre d' that my ex... No, it wasn't an ex then. But my boyfriend had booked a table for 9pm overlooking the yachts moored nearby and the wooden flotillas you can swim out to like Cary Grant in To Catch a Thief. I had six hours to get ready. Almost enough. That's cutting it fine, isn't it, really? I decided to break the habit of a lifetime and not perch in my room performing an emergency knee tweezering, but go down to the pool. I put on my hot pink bikini, the one I bought at the airport from Accessorize. I put a tracksuit over the top. I'm fine lying down in a bikini, but I don't want to stand up. No, I can relate to that. That's what sarongs are for, though. I put a tracksuit on. That's going a bit far. Sarong would have done it. I looked out over the pool. The only place I've ever been that's lovelier is the Villa San Michele, which looks on the red rooftops of Florence. A sunbed for one, an attendant asked me. Um, yes. But Plutar, there will be an ultra arm. An arm. <laughs> you can take the girl out of Chelmsford, but you cannot take Chelmsford out of the girl. I suddenly felt hopelessly provincial. What am I doing here? While it's nice not worrying about the bill at checkout, I've smuggled in my own bottles of fizzy water because I've been the one picking up the tab for the entire duration of my life. But I'm worried about what to say to him over dinner. I feel under pressure to be sexy, which as we know isn't me at all. I'm wondering whether to wear the hot pink maxi dress by Susanna and whether or not to put my hearing aids in. Probably He's better. going to be annoyed if I just stare at him blankly going, Aye? Aye? What? <laughs> I have a snooze and I open my eyes and there he is. He's wearing khaki shorts, a denim shirt and flip-flops. He is, of course, inhabiting the place as though it were a dingy old pub in Glasgow or his mum's front room. You know how some people arrive somewhere and they just inhabit it and yeah. it's theirs. They're not all careful tiptoeing around and folding their towel and not making a seen it they're just casual i mean i've never been like that no i've never been like that you're more like that than i am oh, i don't know you'll go somewhere and you'll enjoy a place well i'll just hide yeah, in no, my I room will. i will enjoy it you yeah. remember when i went skiing i was too scared to go past reception oh yeah no i'd have been out there oh no cracking on the slopes he drips salt water on me now we know i don't like being splashed don't no, splash me. Don't splash don't me. Don't splash me. No. Ugh, I said, Nil struggling point. to sit up, grabbing my hoodie to cover my tummy like a reflex. But you've got no tummy. I said, have you been swimming? You're like a Labrador. It's not seawater, he said. It's sweat. I ran. <laughs> Yuck. 
They said you were by the pool. You look amazing, he said. Just pull your bikini top down a bit. I looked down and I could see the scars from my breast reduction. Big red wheels were showing to all and sundry. But why why mention so my scars? What? At least they weren't pumped up the other way like everyone else around the pool. Oh, and your scars are part of you, aren't you? If you've got scars, if you've got stretch marks, they are part of who you are. Your, yeah, I didn't history. say to him, you know, hide your fat stomach. No. Or get a penis appendage or something. No, he didn't need one. Oh, God. That's a shame because it's, so it's a good comeback. He immediately made me feel provincial and embarrassed. Yeah. And you say men don't notice you wobbly bits, so why point out your surgery scars? No, no that was Maybe he thought that you were going to be conscious of it if, if you'd realised they were on show that you'd be conscious. So maybe he was trying to be nice. No, but don't take his side. No, I'm not. I'm just I'm being devil's advocate. Maybe he just no, was thinking... No, that's not the point of girlfriends. Girlfriends, you're on the other girl's side. All right, he's a twat. You're not on the man's okay, side. OK, I'll give in. He's a twat. So what have you been up to this week now? Not that bloody book again. Yes, yes. I have been reading The Secret Life of Albert Entwistle, which is about a, a man who's 65 and he's a postman. And he has got a very lonely life. He's, he's sort of self-isolated away from people. He hasn't um, got COVID. He's not got COVID. Uh, this is pre-COVID. And it's, it's, it's a, he's a sad character. And you find out that he's lost the love of his life when he was very young and he's sort of been on his own ever since. And very Is he a gay man? He is a gay man. The love of his life was a man and he hadn't come out. It was all a big secret. He was very ashamed of it because his parents were very homophobic. His dad was very homophobic. And more about that comes out in the story. And it's just a beautiful book of him unfolding as a person and beginning to let people in and it's so gentle the relationships he builds are gentle there's no big ups and downs but i could have easily have read, read does he read it in one does sitting. he give people junk mail i'm sure he does give people junk mail because i'm always getting junk mail for my postman it makes me really <laughs> angry it makes the dogs bark <laughs> and i've also been up to other stuff i've this week done my backing i've ridden the sheep backwards you mounted a sheep. No, the sheep. I put the feed down because we've got. I've got rescue sheep, and I put the food down on the they're floor. They're not really your sheep, though. Well, they're they're Martins and me, so they're they're sort of mine, aren't they? They're like my stepchildren. I put the food down on the floor, ran between my legs. Of course, I'm only short. I've got stubby legs, and the sheep is big and fat. So I mounted this sheep backwards, who then ran round the muck heap with me. Sitting on it, so I've gone from riding horses to riding sheep. But I have to ask, how is the sheep? The sheep is fine. It, it fared much better than me that bowed out of the side. So that was a bit of a nightmare. And I have an announcement to make. Martin has streamed the garden. You're joking. I swear, after 67 podcasts of me complaining that he isn't doing the garden, it's the one thing I want him to do. He has actually started the garden. Praise be, hallelujah. But aren't you, isn't lawn, aren't lawnmowers against the law now? We're all supposed to let the lawns go long. Well, mine's gone so long that it was like going through a jungle, so that didn't work for me. 
And we also, you and I had a meeting, didn't we? We met up with some lovely ladies who bought the glamping holiday in the auction that we held for Chris Stray Rescue. And they came... Part of the prize was they got lunch with us. Yeah. <laughs> Poor possums. So we met them for lunch and we had a lovely lunch, didn't we? So hello to Shirley and the gang. It was... And they're all retired police women, which actually made me quite nervous. And they're all into horses. They've all had horses. So it was like great because like when I was whinging about finding the boots that my horse had lost in his field and talking about doing the horses like they completely understood. We had a really horsey conversation. So that was really good. And the last thing I've been up to is Sean Bean. Do you remember Lady Chatterley's lover? I've never really fancied Sean Bean. That Yorkshire tea advert. He's crumpy no. in that. He's, no, he's crumpy I in that. I think his teeth are a bit odd. Right, okay. Go back to Lady Chatterley's lover and he was the gamekeeper. Really handsome. But now he's in a BBC series this week called Time. Yeah, I didn't fancy that at all. It's excellent. It's really binge-worthy. I watched it till three o'clock this morning but not for my original reason of lusting after Sean Bean. That's, that's gone. That's gone bye-bye. Now yeah. I'm just appreciating his acting. He's a bit craggy, isn't he's he? Gone, he's gone very craggy, but it's a really good series. So add that to your list. I watched Mayor of Easttown. You watch this. It's really good. It didn't appeal to me at all. I don't no. want to watch people in, in jail. I want oh, to see people really in nice houses by the sea. And I don't want to see people in prison. Yeah, but you just want to lust after the houses and, and yeah. like beautiful bodies and stuff. This but do you know gritty, what's going to be on telly really soon? What? What? Love Island. <gasps> Got a text! Love Island is coming back. I do love a bit of trash TV, I do. That was your fault I got into that. I swore I'd never watch that And rubbish. I really missed Love Island last year. It's not been the same, though, since, since the one where... Um, oh, what's his name? The Dancer. Um, um, oh, I loved that one. That was so good. Everyone will be shouting the answer now. Anyone listening to this will be shouting. Curtis. Curtis. The lovely Curtis. I would. I'm sorry. I would. I don't think he... I don't think he would. <laughs> no, but I don't... You can read this week's diary in full on Man on Sunday's You magazine. Do you want to hear about this week's column where I have my date with Cambridge Man? We are gagging. So we had our lunch. Yes. He asked me whether I'd had the COVID test, which was a little bit bossy. Yeah, she wasn't impressed with that. That was minus two points. So the big day of our dinner date <gasps> dawns. It's been five weeks since we had lunch and i sort of forgotten what he looks like. So our second date feels like a first. I've been renovated... But I haven't gone overboard. And what do you call not going overboard? Well, I didn't have my eyelashes tinted. <laughs> but everything else so was So I restrained from that. <laughs> yeah, right, OK. <laughs> I didn't have any Botox or filler or microdermabrasion. I was quite restrained. You mean you didn't actually go for every single thing on the menu, just half no, of it? No, because he's not Nigel. OK, see, if that had been Nigel, I you'd have had plastic surgery. I booked a tiny room at Soho House in Soho and arranged to meet him downstairs and it made me think when I booked this room that I've all the big moments in my life have taken place at Soho House I might as well be Meghan Markham with the hair yeah well I bet Harry doesn't say to Meghan I preferred you when you had a bob 
I don't think he'd dare, would he? No, he wouldn't dare. He'd have to do a lot of tapping and eye-rolling to get out of that one. My first mini-break with my future husband was at Babington House, which is the countryside outpost of Soho House. And I went to so much trouble and I made them give me the, the room in the eaves because it's got its own hot tub on the balcony. Yeah, that's reasonable. I want that. So I went to all this trouble. We get there. We don't put the suitcases on the bed. But of course, being a man, he didn't appreciate the effort. I wouldn't go on the balcony because it's too windy. I'd have shoved ice down his pants and showed him what cold so he was. So it was too windy to go on the balcony and go in the hot tub. But it wasn't so windy. He could go and play football with the kitchen staff instead. That's Ooh. what he chose to do. Well, see, there are worse things than putting the luggage on the bed, isn't there? On the first mini break, he went and played football with the kitchen staff. I'd have put him in because the hot tub. Because he's always this. There was always this chippiness. I get it with every man actually. That you're the girl who went to high school and once played netball. Therefore, you're privileged and bourgeois. So I'm not going to go in a hot tub with you. I'm going to go and play football with the staff. But did he leave them a big tip? No, no, no. But you've worked. To get where you are, you've worked. No one's given it to you. And I've got to be honest, I was brought up in the East End. I played netball. You don't have to be in a posh school to play netball. No, but he would think playing netball means that you're a very oppressive and colonialist. Right. Okay. Because I went to a high school. Okay, right. I even took my husband, my future husband, to Soho House in New York. But he wasn't impressed. Even my membership didn't stop him sloping off to meet his mistress on the pretext of attending a yoga class. Anyway, I get to Soho House for this date with Cambridge Man. I check in at three o'clock. Just enough time to trowel on the makeup primer, tinted moisturiser, foundation, concealer, powder, bronzer and blusher. Right. I'm exhausted already. I bought choice of two outfits, a simple black shift from Reese and my Victoria Beckham bodycon. See, that's the important thing. What are you wearing? That's Prada Clutch. Prada Clutch, which I got at a discount. And a black Myla thong. The thong is out. Watch it, ladies. The thong is out. I felt a little disloyal packing my thong as it was bought by my ex as a Christmas present, but needs must. Your bloody underwear lasts longer than mine. I'm finally ready. I teeter downstairs early so I can arrange my limbs and my thong in good time. <laughs> this will be the first proper date with a new man without alcohol. And Even a sip makes the room spin. I ordered fizzy water, eyeing enviously the tall golden flutes at other tables. I can't imagine taking my clothes off sober, apart from my top. I always keep my top on. The sensation will be like getting on my horse swirly without a crash helmet, full body protector, boots and gloves, vulnerable, exposed, terrified. At what point do I whip out my hearing aids? I don't want him nuzzling and causing them to whistle. No. And then I was sitting there, and you know how you keep looking at the door and you think it's going to be that person. So I kept right waving at the wrong person. Everyone who came in, I waved at them, and they, they were, <laughs> my God, that Liz Jones, she's really friendly. I just kept waving at everyone because <laughs> in case it was him. And then my phone starts to vibrate. Ah! Oh. So I'm like, oh my God, it's a WhatsApp. He's, He's in Romilly Street. Surely he must be almost here. And that's where the column ends. No. Da, da, da. 
It's like Coronation Street, isn't Which it? dress did you go for? Beckham. Beckham. We need to know these things. It's important. You can't say we've got a choice of clothes. Well, the only good thing about having a new man is that he hasn't seen the dress before. He might have seen it in photographs. But that's your killer dress. You were going for it. Yeah. Going for it there. I had my little clutch. Yeah, your marathon. So part two is next week. And you will can't not wait. believe what happens in part two. Bring it on. Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. So sorry to interrupt, Liz, but we have a very important announcement that might just interest your listeners. There's another Mail on Sunday podcast and it could change your life. It's called Medical Minefield. Yes, where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. And that's with me, Barney Kalman, the Mail on Sunday's health editor. And me, Eve Simmons, the deputy health editor. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. Do you want to know what the readers have said this week? Are they still with us? They are still with us. Angela from Dorset needs some advice. On men? No, 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 no. God, no. Um, fashion. <laughs> uh, no, come to me for men advice. Go to list for fashion. <laughs> we'll do it that way. Angela says, I am loving the sun and I've got my shorts and minis out, but my daughter is complaining, saying I need to dress more appropriately. I'm 71, I've got a good figure and I love tight dresses, my bikini and shorts. And I think I look good, so am I too old for these clothes, question mark? Well, I think that's very commendable, she's so confident. And if she thinks she's got the right body for it, why not? Yeah, what a miserable daughter she's got. I'd be like, well... I think she needs to disinherit her daughter. Yeah, crack on, get, get the minis on, slap the makeup on, do whatever feels good. Definitely want pictures. So, right, so we also had Sandra who said she'd email not realising it was coming to you. So she says... What do you mean? Well, she says, please inform Liz Jones of my column. Who does she comments. think she's talking to? Well, it goes to your website, doesn't it? It's through your website, so it comes to me first. I'm oh, your, I I'm, see. I'm your little moderator. Having viewed her article online today, so she's talking about the article you wrote about um, Boris's new wife. Carrie. Carrie, with her, her outfits. There was lots of pictures of her outfits for G7, wasn't there? Yes, because she's in Cornwall now, but before she got to G7, the two rental companies arrived at number 10 carrying all these clothes. But you'd think, knowing the British press and what happened to Diana, they would have put them in clothes carriers... But we could see all the dresses coming in. Was one of them your favourite? Was it my wardrobe? One of the rental companies was, was, was my wardrobe, yeah. But they should have covered the dresses up. Yeah. Or you're going to get a front page story in the Daily Mail, aren't you? And it was on the front page. I think it was you, though, wasn't it? It was yeah, on the front no, page I and it was it, you. But it was not my fault I did the story. <laughs> they should have covered the clothes up <laughs> bringing them it in. It was you, Jones. It was you that was on the front page. So she says, no reflection on Liz Jones, but I was horrified by the possible garments which could be chosen. Having written about fashion, Dean Muir and her ilk, I just to say the most appalling collection of garments I've seen in a while. 
absolutely no taste whatsoever and she is representing the UK. How awful. She's not a fan. Literally, she's not a fan. Megan is, was, merely a two-bit actress who got lucky. <laughs> Ouch. But at least she had some style. Well, Sandra. It's a little bit harsh, Sandra. But you see, I always, I'm always mindful. I mean, that's Carrie's style. Her style is... Droopy, droopy drawers, floral dresses, mid-calf, flouncy, Laura Ashley-ish. She's, yeah. Because she's quite feminine, she's quite young, she can pull it off. That's her style. She's blonde and wavy. She's not going to go the trouser suit, YSL tuxedo, a skirt suit, jackets. That's who she is. And I'm very mindful as a critic, and I've written about fashion, not, and I didn't slag her wedding dress off either. I was surprised at she's, that. She's doing her best. That's what she likes. Good luck to her, really. I mean, I must have spent 30 years slagging off Sherry Blair. And I remember I drove past the house the, the day after Tony Blair became Prime Minister and she came to the door in the 90s to get some clothes. She just looked awful. And I sort of made a career out of slagging her off for 30 years. But I just kind of think you have to be a bit more generous. At least the clothes were rented. She's not going to just wear them once and they sit in a, in a wardrobe. That's her style. Droopy drawers is her style. And to be fair, she's not getting her boobs out and sort of like wearing skin tight, glamming it up in sort of in a And if she had gone the Dior two-piece, we'd have all criticised that. Do you know what I mean? And I'm mindful yeah. that she's going to pick up the paper next day and say, oh, what's Liz saying about my clothes? Oh, she quite liked them. And she might feel a bit better about her day. Yes. You've, you've gone nice. Hang on a minute. <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> there was a few of Carrie's dresses I said I didn't like. I said they were a bit too insipid, a bit pale. That one was too long. You know, she does look a bit droopy drawers, but that's her style. And I do quite admire women who have a style. She doesn't employ a stylist. That's obvious. That's a bit bitchy. Um, <laughs> oh, the that's her I know style. Back. You know, I'm not into droopy floral no. tea dresses. That's not who I am. But if that's who she is. And also, she looked a dance like smarter than Boris. And she does a lot for animal welfare, doesn't she? There, are, There is more to her and any person than what they wear or what they look like. Yeah. You know, let's move away from what people look like and what they're wearing to, to what they're doing and how they're behaving. So, yeah, I'm sorry she didn't like Carrie's dresses, but I, I just think they reflect who she is. Yeah. I'll be honest, they're not my style. You no. know, I, I didn't like no, her I'd wedding dress. No, I'd never wear them. I thought it was horrible, but... It was her wedding day. She was happy, I'm sure. And congratulations. But she looked quite relaxed on her wedding day. Whereas I think women who've spent 20 grand on a dress and it's a corset and they don't look relaxed. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So she did. She slung it on and she was able to kick her shoes off and have a nice time. Jack, poor Carrie. She probably spent hours and hours and hours getting ready. You're like, she slung it on. <laughs> she probably spent as long as you did for Cambridge, man. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I doubt that. No, I doubt that. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. 
I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.